Well, if you've been a part of this church for any length of time, you know that it is important to us that we honor God's word above all else. But if you've come to church here before, you probably also know I'm not really good at preaching short sermons. (laughs) We're not going to keep you very long. Thank you for that. Amen, Alicia. So I knew with everything going on today, we're not going to have enough time to, to really unpack the scriptures the way that we typically would on a weekend. In fact, I told the ushers, I said, don't even bring me the podium. I don't want to get too comfortable. You know, I'll get rolling. So don't give me that. But I want to take a couple minutes here. And I'm going to stretch that couple minutes. But I want to take a few minutes. And I want to share a word with you. You know, as I said earlier in this service, 2020 has been a, a unique year. And we could call it a lot of things. But way back before the global health pandemic and way back before it felt like the wheels started kind of coming off in society this year, God spoke a word to me in my personal devotion time. It was a scripture that when I read it, I I just knew that was my verse for 2020. It was my verse because it spoke to what the Lord was saying to me for 2020, but it was also literally a 2020 verse. And so I want to show it to you. It's Acts chapter 20 verse 20. And this is the word that God spoke to me. It's become a part of my prayer life throughout this year. And I believe God has a word for you from this text. So look at it with me. Here's what it says. Acts chapter 20, verse 20. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. Let me read it to you out of a couple different translations. In the English Standard Version, it says, I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable. In another translation, it says, I did not shrink back from doing anything that is helpful. In the New Living Translation, it says, I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, both publicly and in your homes. And maybe my my favorite of all the translations that I read of this verse this year, in the New English translation, it says, you know that I did not hold back from proclaiming to you anything that would be helpful. So in all these translations, you know what, what Paul was saying? He was saying, you know this about me, I hold nothing back. And Paul's not just saying that like on a weekend, on a platform, to a church gathering of people that maybe he does or doesn't know. Paul the Apostle speaking to the leaders of the church at Ephesus. Of all the places that he traveled, he spent the most time there. In fact, later in the same chapter, he says, for three years, we met day and night. I I poured my heart out. And so he's saying something with conviction to people that sat around the table and ate with him and, and spent consistent, valuable time with him. He said, you know this about me. I held nothing back. Now, there's a lot of people that that, that don't hold anything back. And to be honest, we kind of wish they did sometimes. Like, I I wish you hadn't said all that. But Paul said, listen, I didn't hold anything back that was helpful. I didn't hold anything back that was profitable. I didn't hold anything back that you needed to hear. I proclaimed it to you. And in this little portion of scripture, he says three things that I just think are really important. First thing he says is, you know my motives. You know my motives. Let me back up to verse 18. Here's what he said to him. It says, when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I live. The whole time that I was with you, from the first day I came into the province of Asia. He said, you know how I lived. In verse 19, he said, I served 
the Lord. That was Paul's motive. I serve the Lord. You know how I live. Not, not just my sermons, not just what I preached. You saw how I lived. I served the Lord, and he said, I did it with humility. Now, listen, in 2020, we could probably all give ourselves a pass on being a little bit of a, you know, uh, inward focused and kind of a self-preservationist, you know? I mean, I know there's a need out there, but I'm going to go ahead and grab a couple, three extra rolls of toilet paper anyway, you know? You know what I mean? We could all give ourselves a pass on maybe even being a little bit prideful in our opinion about things that are happening in our world. But I love that Paul goes on to clarify. He didn't just say, I serve the Lord with humility. He goes on to say, I did it with tears in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. In other words, Paul was saying this was not an opportune time. This was not an opportune time to have pure motives and say, I'm just here to serve the Lord. This was actually a time where there's a lot of people concerned about themselves. But he said, you know my motives. The second thing he said is, you know my message. My message is clear. In verse 20, again, he said, I held nothing back. You know, he said, that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house. And then the third thing he said was, you know my market. You know who I'm targeting. You know who my mission field is. You know who my audience is. There's a lot of people today that are just playing to one niche market, one audience. A lot of people are singing their song to the choir. They don't really want opinion. They just want to hear the slap back of their own opinion. But Paul said, you know what my market was. Look at the next verse, verse 21. He said, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus. You know what Paul was saying? You know what my market is? The gospel is for everybody. That's what Paul was declaring. He said, you know me, you know my message, you know my motive, and this is not a Jewish gospel, this is not a Greek gospel, come on, this is not a a white gospel or, or a black gospel, it's not a Democrat or a Republican gospel. He said, you know my market, it's a whosoever will gospel. It's a whosoever will may come and drink freely from the waters of life gospel. It's a gospel that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It's a gospel that says whoever calls on the name shall be saved. It's a gospel that says if any man put his faith in Jesus Christ, the old is gone. Behold, all things have become new. He said, you know my market. This is about the kingdom. And Paul was a perfect example of a person that that goes beyond his own opinion and his own ideas and his own comfort. And he says, I am all in. I'm holding nothing back for the sake of the gospel. And I can't think of a better illustration of that than what we saw witnessed in the water today. Water baptism. When you get baptized, you go all in. And I'm going to show you a scripture that, that says why. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says this, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's why we call it New Life Sunday. Because when you step into the waters of baptism, you say the old me is gone and dead. That old life is never 
to resurface again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I've been raised to new life through Jesus Christ. You know, as a church, we, we don't practice the tradition of infant baptism. I, I know some church traditions do, but we don't. And the reason we don't is because the Bible communicates that water baptism is a profession of your faith. And you know, little Amara, she couldn't profess her faith today. She doesn't, she doesn't understand that she was born in sin and her sin deserves the wrath of God, but Jesus came and, and took the punishment for her sin and she can be saved. Little children don't understand that yet. And so that's why parents came today and they said, I get it. And I'm going to lead my children to the place where one day they'll want to make a public profession of their faith. But can I be honest with you, church? There's a lot of people that are hanging the hopes of their salvation on an infant baptism type experience. Maybe they weren't actually baptized as an infant, but they're hanging their hopes on the reality that they don't really have a relationship with Jesus, but they have a relationship with somebody that has a relationship with Jesus. Maybe they're familiar with the Bible. Maybe they don't really follow the book. They don't really submit to the lordship of Christ, but they know who he is. They know where to find him because they're acquainted with the church. Can I just tell you today, God is not looking for people that have an infant baptism type experience. He's looking for somebody that will hold nothing back. There's another example of baptism in church history. It's not infant baptism, but infantry baptism. In fact, I was reading a story recently about Ivan the Great. He was the Tsar of Russia during the 15th century, and he planned to marry the daughter of the king of Greece. And the king agreed, but he said, there's one stipulation. If you're going to marry my daughter, you have to be baptized into the Greek Orthodox Church. And so Ivan the Great, he agreed. He said, I'll do that. And so he, he went through the catechism and, and made his journey over to the other country so that he could be baptized. And when he went, 500 of his soldiers went with him. And because they were all in in their service to their king, they said, we want to be baptized too. And so now the, the priest is trying to figure out how they're going to do this. So he assigns 500 priests to meet one-on-one -on -one with the 500 soldiers from Russia. And, and he, he gives them a crash course on the catechism. And here's the plan. He said, all 500 priests are going to lead all 500 soldiers into the water at one time. And we're going to do one mass baptism. We're going to do this all at once. You can imagine what this looked like. I mean, all of the, the regality of the soldiers with their uniforms and their ribbons and medals of valor pinned on their chest and their weapons are on their side and they're marching into the Mediterranean Sea. Next to them, each one has a priest of the Greek Orthodox Church, long black robes, big hat, you know, the tradition that they had. And they all walk into the waters together to do this mass infantry baptism. And as they're in the water, they realize we've overlooked something. According to the Greek Orthodox Church, you can't, you can't be a soldier that kills people and be baptized in the church. Simple rule, you can't kill people and be a church member. I don't think we covered that in the membership class, but it's probably still a good thing, you know. So they're standing there and saying, what are we going to do? Somebody came up with a solution. So here was the solution that took place in the 15th century. As a thousand men are standing in the water, 
and the priest all begin to lead in the baptism, and they say the words, and we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In one unified motion, all 500 soldiers at that moment, they drew their sword out of its sheath, and they raised it up high above their head. And as they went under the water, they were fully immersed except for their arm and their sword. In other words, they were saying, okay, we're going we're gonna to totally surrender into the church and into the lordship of Jesus, except for our fighting arm, except for our weapon. And as crazy as that story is, I just wonder today, how many people in the church are hanging their hopes of salvation on an infantry-type baptism? People that would say, okay, I'm going to give it all to Jesus, except for my career. I'm going to give it all to Jesus, except for my dating relationships. I'm going to give it all to Jesus, everything except for my hobbies. And I just wonder how many unbaptized arms there are in the church today. Can I tell you, God is not looking for somebody that has an infant baptism experience where they hang their hopes on somebody else's relationship. Because I can promise you this, God doesn't have any grandchildren. You got to be a son or a daughter. You got to have a personal relationship with God. And he's also not looking for people that have an infantry baptism experience, where they would say that, you know, I'm going to give God almost everything. God's looking for a people that will hold nothing back. And I want to challenge you today to be that kind of person. One more time. Let me give you my 2020 verse. He said, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you. But I have taught you publicly and from house to house. In other words, it's not just something we do here in this sacred space. It's something that we do in our homes when we break bread together in fellowship. And and on this tone of celebrating new things today, we got something else that we're kicking off. I'm going to ask Pastor Chris to come and join me and just tell you about this for a moment. Yeah, first of all, there is a dress code for the church. I don't, I think you guys didn't get the memo. Yeah. But uh, we do have something that is, is happening that we're releasing our next life group series. It's called Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I think we really need to get our eyes focused back on the kingdom right now. You know, as I was even scanning the crowd here and looking and uh, just Chris, you and I having coffee on my porch, talking together. Jeff, you and I going out to breakfast together. Uh, I can look all around this room, Earl, making me do burning trash in your backyard. I love you, but, (laughs) you know, those are the places, though, where ministry has happened. You know, sometimes I think we leave ministry to this sacred place, but it's from house to house. It's from home to home. And we want to encourage you today to just, it's a DVD that comes in this packet and a a booklet. Uh, It looks pretty much like this. We're not wearing the same outfits in the video but uh, we're, we're sitting together and we're discussing principles of the kingdom. Many times Jesus himself said, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he gave a picture. And we look at some of those pictures on what the kingdom is like. And like I said earlier, it says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you as well. Mm-hmm. And so maybe you're here today and you're not connected with a life group yet. Look at some of the people you came with. 
You came to celebrate with some people. Maybe you want to take home a DVD and a booklet and, and begin to do that together. And maybe you're not connected yet here at the church. We do have some cards that are at the info center. Even if you're online watching right now, you can even just let us know in the comments section. And so this material is entirely for our life group leaders so that they can uh, be equipped and ready to just be able to minister from house to house. Yeah, amen. Thank you so much for sharing that. That booklet that it comes that comes with the DVD it has questions for a facilitator. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to be able to teach a class or preach a sermon. We're looking for people to just facilitate a conversation around the table with some others. And so, again, we want to invite you, be a part of that. God's going to do something through those groups. As the worship team comes back up here, I, I want to just say some good news to you here. The good news is this. If you will hold nothing back on God, God will hold nothing back on you. In fact, the Bible says it like this. He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, those that seek him with all of their heart. Listen, God wants to bless your life. He doesn't have a list of favorites. He's looking for those that will hold nothing back, that will go all in, not hanging on the coattails of somebody else's spiritual experience and not withholding a part of their life. A person that says, God, I'm going to hold nothing back. I'm going to trust you and your plan for my life over my own. And if you will hold nothing back with God, God will hold nothing back with you. In the Old Testament, God expressed his desire to bless his people. He said, I want to bless them. But it was a conditional blessing. He said, you got to go all in. We read it earlier, Deuteronomy 6. You got to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Go all in. But he said, if you'll do that, I have blessing." for my people. In fact, he even gave Moses, the leader of God's people, he gave him a blessing. He said, I want this blessing to be spoken over my people. As long as they align their lives with the covenant that I have with them, this blessing can be on their life. And so I asked this worship team to come back up because they're going to lead us in the words of that blessing. You can read it in Numbers chapter 6. And here's what I want you to do today. I want you to join us and prophetically speak this over our church. I want you to speak this over your family. Speak it over the next generation. Yesterday, we had over 30 students that Pastor Chris and the youth leaders took to a a one-day conference. God is doing some things generationally. You saw it evidenced with the families that came and stood on this platform with me. So I want to invite you to stand. And I want you to know something. If you don't have a relationship with God right now, maybe you've never said, God, I'm all in. Or maybe you've had that halfway commitment to God. But you're ready to give everything to Him. I mean, give everything to Him. To fully die to self so that you can live and be raised with Christ. And I want to encourage you while we sing this, to just surrender your heart and life to the Lord. Begin to receive this blessing.